0: And welcome to
1: Going Off Track with your host, Betty Horowitz. That's it. Live from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Come on, Brad. Hey, Brad, I heard a great expression today. You want to hear it?
0: Uh, um, Do I? Yeah. Sure. Let's hear it.
1: It goes, third time's the charm. (laughs) I never heard that before. (laughs) I don't believe that. (laughs) No, it's true. I don't believe you. So... John the Ghost. He... Oh, no. <laughs> My brother. Should I answer it? It's not the charm. Yeah. Can I Hello? hear <laughs> Hey, I'm uh, doing a podcast intro right now wearing a bat mask. How are you?
0: <laughs> Mini Batman mask. <laughs> For those of you who cannot see this, Benny is wearing a children's size Batman mask.
1: <laughs> Can I give you a call back? All right. Love you.
0: He's sitting in an obvious upstairs room backed Mm by lingerie mannequins.
1: I was uh, explaining the superheroes to my son the other day, and in explaining Batman, I realized that he's uh, kind of just like an insane rich person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With like, like deep, 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 like like psychological problems.
0: Dude, even my Yeah. My son glommed onto this. He totally got it. He was like, Bless him. He's he's a, he's a Marvel man like me. But he was like, he's like, so Batman, like his thing is basically being rich, right? His power, <laughs> his superpowers, and he's yeah. rich.
1: I'm like, yeah, it that's it. Like born rich. Something awful happened to him, sure. Give them motivation. But it's like, it's like he's had everything for so long. He couldn't take one loss. <laughs> he couldn't take one hit. He had to take over the world because of it, you know? It was a
0: pretty big hit.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one. <laughs> Not easy to watch when I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is supposed to be a fun movie, right? Oh, good. Dead Parents.
0: That's mm. cool. It's how, how you start every uh, Disney film, right?
1: Oh my god! I'm still haven't recovered from the Lion King. I might, I might put together a class action lawsuit of people like me against Disney for the Lion King. I didn't need that. I didn't need to know Uncle Scar and the the things he did could exist in the world. Yet you dupe a small child into thinking he killed his own father. Jesus Christ! That's Disney. pretty cruel. Fucked up. Yeah, I'm still not recovered. If anyone is interested in jumping on this class action lawsuit against Disney (laughs) on my behalf. Go to BennyVersusDisney.org. I'll take take on the big man. Come on. That's why we have a Patreon, right? We do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Patreon.com slash going off track where you can give us money and we'll (laughs) give you like the video to this intro. <laughs> because because who? You want to see this. You actually do want to see this. Because Benny is wearing a children's Batman mask for this whole intro. Mm-hmm. And like I said, with sexy mannequins. Well, right now they're just naked mannequins in the back. Oh, no. One's wearing a a corset. What do you call that?
1: Yeah, let's I'll bring it a little closer. Hang on.
0: <laughs> and for all of you audio only uh, listeners, we apologize that you cannot see the sexy corset. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Should I, I'm going to describe it. Uh, it's a beautiful black, sexy corset. (laughs) And if you want to see that corset, you will have to go to patreoncom slash going off track and give us some money because the truth is this entire show is brought to you by our patrons. Yeah, that's true. Who, uh, We also do a um, uh, fireside chat with every Thursday night. Thursday night. You can ask Benny any question you want and make suggestions about the show.
1: Uh, Really enjoying our Thursday night chats. We got a good group in there. Some interesting people starting to get to know each other. I dig it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, John was a great interview. Oh, yes. One engaging character. Very steady. I would use the word level. Yeah, I feel like an insane punk rocker about to start when they're like eighteen should go should go meet up with John oh, yeah. for a little like early counsel, you know? Oh yeah. And and again, again, Brad, we run into this anomaly of a perfectly functioning band, right? Which to me <laughs> seems like oh, yeah. such, such an insane thing. That, uh Four or five people can actually just be cool. So I, I pose the question, you know, how do you keep a band together for 15 years with no member changes and you're all looking in the same direction? And like, what's the trick? What's the magic sauce to make this happen? And again, it's, <laughs> yeah. just, it's hey, you know, it's pretty easy. We're all friends. We <laughs> respect each other. You know, we kind of like just are into the same things. It's like the
0: most boring answer you could get.
1: Well, and and it's it's the second time in a month that we've gotten that answer to that question, and both people happen to be from Phoenix. Oh, that's right. So Zach, (laughs) I I posed this question to Zach from Jimmy World, and he had a very similar answer, which was just this like wow, something filled with like mutual respect and friendship. Uh, and communication, like, already so built in that both of them almost were like, yeah, like, it's not that hard. You know, it's just like things, you know, the way things are. Wow. Is there any other bands from Phoenix we could find out about? Well, I mean, there's Sean Bennett and Andrew Jackson Jihad. And even though they're much more punk rock and subversive, uh, <laughs> Sean and Ben have been together doing this. The entire time. Oh, yeah. So, so they have, like, kind of the same thing. I think they're very... Uh, what is it in the water? What's with Phoenicians? They're like the Canadians of the U.S. They're they're mild-mannered. They're tempered.
0: Maybe it's the lack of water.
1: Could be the lack of water. Could be the heat. They just... They got to stay chill. I read that they had 180 days last year of over 100-degree heat. Ugh. So maybe they're just chill. Maybe they're just... Like cactus, they're like, you know, reserving their water, <laughs> they're reserving their they energy for something they really need. Yeah, they're like, I can't fight with my friends, I, I, I would die. <laughs> so I don't know, it's but it is fascinating. There is something about uh, a Phoenician now that we have the main and Jimmy World both being these like, you know, anthropological anomalies of just bands that stay great friends and you know. Just keep going. It's cool. Let's
0: look into this.
1: Yeah, John was awesome. His new record is awesome. I had heard a couple songs, and it was one of the things that really wanted me to get him on to discuss this album and see where his head was at. So, I'm only get into the episode. It's going on, John! You have passed. <laughs> I passed. Is wait, wait? What? I can't believe I just had. The, That really actually used to happen. What? Where they would like make you like hold your balls and cough.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Wait, what? You turn your head and you just give a little...
1: (laughs) I haven't thought about that in so long. What is the actual physiological reason for making a child do that? Especially like in a row of other children being stared at by grown men.
2: I have no idea. I I think it has something to do with hernias at least that's what i yeah. was under the assumption of so uh, that's what i'm going with i'm not sure
1: <laughs> oh man
0: brad what's your assumption there um i think just all for good fun right
1: yeah that's what i, I think it's one of those things that somebody just started in the 20s and they're just like you know it's just the way we always do things right <laughs> we gotta check for scoliosis, kid. It's, Grab your balls. <laughs> it's for
0: a hernia and it's not discontinued, dude. I think it's still the practice. Still happening? Yeah, I think if if you yeah, if you're if you're suspected of having a hernia, I think it's still possibly a test. That's
1: shocking. I mean, I've never even heard of a kid having a hernia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, this well that's why you're you're not a doctor
1: <laughs> or maybe all this testicle grabbing is the reason i've never heard of a kid having a hernia there you go yeah. exactly yeah maybe they just really oh so hi john <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show <laughs> yeah welcome to the program thanks for coming on hell
2: yeah thanks for having me
1: no worries so what uh what are you up to
2: um i just got home from a little uh i, I live in Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. and I got oh. home from a little trip that my wife and dogs and I took up north to go see some snow, um, about like three hours away. So
1: had a good weekend had, head like north into the mountains there.
2: Yeah. Uh, we went specifically to a little town called pine top. Um, so like white mountains area. Mm-hmm. And we got like, I think on Saturday night they had, just about 10 inches of snow which is oh, kind of a rarity especially where we live um phoenix doesn't get snow so right. it was nice to nice to see for sure
1: yeah i saw a friend of mine uh, post an image from houston texas today with a very very light dusting saying oh, right. that it is basically shutting down the entire city <laughs>
2: Yeah, if it rains here in Arizona, it's like yeah, all bets are off. Right, it's, you don't want to be in a car for sure.
1: <laughs> so, do you uh, do you like ski or snowboard? Do you do like mountain activities?
2: We, I bought I bought a couple sleds from Ace Hardware, and yes. <laughs> that was the extent of the extreme sports. Uh, I used to snowboard, but then I was just like, I don't know, I'm prone to getting hurt, so it was it was probably better. I, I've always now taking the approach of just like keeping my feet on the ground as much as possible
1: <laughs> sure and
2: then and then hoping for the best after that
1: yeah yeah, yeah. cutting out those <laughs> those extreme sports variables from the uh, absolutely I, yeah. I
2: mean i i think the last time that i did something extreme was um one of those uh, like it, it's like a infinity wave. So it's like I got a wave pool oh, and yeah. you can kind of like surf on it. And I've dislocated my shoulder the first
1: <laughs> run. And oh, that no.
2: was like, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was
1: horrible, man. So, checking out someone give me a guitar is bullshit. The, the, yeah. No, it sucked. They
2: had, <laughs> I had to get on, like they had to yank it back into place. I didn't have a shirt on and the, the, they brought like uh training, uh, like not doctors, they're just trainees oh, to like yeah. watch the whole process, and they <laughs> pumped me up with like whatever that stuff was that Michael Jackson died from, and then I was oh. like, "Oh,
1: this is amazing!" And oh, and a little <laughs> dose of fentanyl just to put your shoulder <laughs> back in. Or propofol, yeah, or whatever oh, good. the hell it
2: is. That's I know. good.
1: That sounds healthy. Um, so I hear you. Uh, you got married fairly recently, right? End of last year. I did. Yeah, end uh, of October. Congratulations, did you uh, I appreciate it? Did you get away, or did you do well, I guess uh, doing a big thing is kind of out of the cards these days. Did you have a big thing planned or
2: we did yeah we we were supposed to be doing a big thing uh, out here in Arizona, and obvious for obvious reasons, we had to change plans, so we did what the they they're in the business referring to as a micro wedding oh, and okay. that was uh, yeah it just it's a smaller wedding. So it was like sixteen of us um, in
1: California. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. And uh, where were you initially supposed to have like a really like mega event kind of thing?
2: No, it was just supposed to be a lot more people. Um, (laughs) Right, and it was just yeah, it it wasn't all. I mean, the big problem is is that we made all the the, like the deposits. So right, you, you know, you lose out on a bunch of money if you don't do it. So.
1: We're figuring it out. But. Seriously, they didn't have like a pandemic exemption here for any of that shit. <laughs> oh,
2: dude, no. They're, oh, they're, so I, I guarantee you, in the in the fine print, it was written in like if a <laughs> pandemic comes <laughs> right, along right, right, called right. coronavirus, <laughs> you
1: know, you're, Wait, you're gonna the, be screwed. Yeah. So. Wait, what's the one that's in all of our record contracts that always? Oh, the force major, isn't that what it's called? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Base, yeah. It's in every yeah, one like of the, our the, contracts. Force of God and yeah, act of God. yeah, mm-hmm. the act of God clause. Yeah, Jeez. yeah yeah oh, Wow. good for them. They got all bases covered yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> for sure for <laughs> yeah. sure no for holes sure. for them so um nah. that's good. so a few months in the married life, so what do you been um what are you up to on like a day to day basis how are you uh let me let me ask you walk me through your morning when okay. do you get when do you get up? what do you drink? how do you get going? What do you like to eat? what do you do first so we got a,
2: a pit bull puppy Aww. probably like seven months ago, cool. and the majority of the morning is spent. We probably get up at like, I mean, fortunately, she now sleeps through the night, but um, I'm usually up at like 630. Okay. And I'll take her, take her to the park, try to get some of that energy out. Um, that probably lasts for about an hour mm-hmm. and then come home eat some breakfast maybe work out if i can the the big thing about working out is like i i i like working out but i have no motivation to like do better so it's like i got nobody there to be like hey oh I do yeah. do one more you know right, or do right. li, lift lift more weight and it's sure. like yeah, i'm good so <laughs> right. it, you know i i fake a workout and then <laughs> i'll probably eat a smoothie and then uh and then, uh, oh, I guess is drink a smoothie, eat
0: a smoothie. I'm not sure. Mm. I guess it depends on how much you chop it up. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I fortunately kind of built like a little home studio. So it's, uh, it's been keeping me busy and, uh, I've been trying to write a lot of music. So yeah, that kind of, th- that is the day. And then, uh, five o'clock rolls around and I'm pretty much checked out. And then I, Figure out what we're, we're going to eat for dinner, and that's about it. So,
1: did you have the same issue? I I, I came to a stunning realization during the pandemic, and since some of my more full time touring slowed down, is that I think I only worked out ever in my life to get ready to play. Basically, okay, I think, yeah, yeah. I, think I was like getting ready to tour. I was getting is the only thing that's ever given me enough motivation to actually get myself together is that and once that was gone that was (laughs) i was like uh what am i doing this for now i have to do this for me i don't don't know that did you run into the same issue are you disciplined i guess especially on
2: tour it was always a thing where it's like that's how i could rationalize how much i drank the night before it's like if you you know the first thing you do is like move some iron around and yeah, that yeah. somehow like <laughs> right re- makes it all reasonable but yeah. <laughs> um no I've always enjoyed doing it the I, I I like the way it makes me feel like but yeah I, I'm with you especially during this process it's been like yeah I could just not do that and I especially towards the last couple of months I've been like falling back into uh having a few drinks every night and it's like you know, where before it was like, hey, we're going to do so much more. And like, we're going to, we, we got like, um, I forget the brand name, but we ordered like those meals that they send you all the ingredients for. and Because uh, right. neither me or my wife uh, enjoy cooking. So it was like, then a couple of weeks of that went by and we we're like, this sucks. We, <laughs> hate this. we hate this. It was like, let's go get some bad food. So it was, yeah. I, I feel like I've gone through big waves of like, being, uh, solid in a routine and then just like, you know, tearing the routine apart. So.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, well, it seems like you've had a pretty, uh, you know, prolific output, uh, in this time, um, with how many songs you've created and apparently how many ideas you come up with on a daily basis, as I've read, uh, what kind of, um, you know, you sit down to work. What, what kind of creator are you? Are you, someone who um, sits down and, and hits the grind every day, or do you need to wait for flashes of inspiration and things like that to really get something down that you like? What's that process for you like?
2: I mean, I would say before, um, I guess when the idea of touring still existed mm-hmm. and, and the idea that like, you know, you're only going to be home for a couple of months and you got to go back out on the road. I was never one that would really be able to write while we were touring just mm. because of how many people were around. And it was just, you know, right. on the bus, you're surrounded by your band and then the crew. And yeah. it's like, you know, going to lunch is an ordeal. So it was sure. like, um, I, I never really made the time to write on the road. So when I got home, I tried to maximize the time by just writing as much as I could. And I think, you know, for, for what well, I went into last year prior to, to the pandemic um, I actually got to write for the first time, like on the road, we were in Europe and we were kind of like uh outrunning the coronavirus like reports. Oh, wow. So we were like two weeks ahead of like the huge outbreak in Spain and Italy. Okay, um, wow. And so we, we fortunately got home and, I had had all these ideas that I had written on the road for the first time. So I took that. And then once, you know, things started to pan out and, uh, the idea that we weren't going to be able to go back on tour sort of started to really set in, Yeah, I took all those ideas and I was able to like, you know, hash them out for real and not have them just sit around. So, mm. but I guess to answer your question, I'm more so, uh, I've never really enjoyed the idea of like today I'm going to write a song and like, this is what I have to write about, you know, or whatever. It was always like a very natural, um, if it comes, it comes and I could spend five days in a row on the same four bar, whatever, or, you know, whatever kind of happened. But I guess, um, I've tried to be more diligent with like, at least showing up, you know, and at least like, at least like, creatively trying to you know express myself um you know cuz it it's 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 definitely been a mental struggle too you know just with yeah. the idea and i've talked to a bunch of friends um from different bands that are just you know a, a huge portion of your um your identity comes from sometimes being on the road and being sure. on stage and you know that whole game and it's uh it's been certainly a you know, you, you've been forced to kind of examine who you are outside of that world. And, and, Mm. you know, I think it's been a really great thing because at least for me, it's always been, man, I can't wait to spend more time at home. I can't wait to spend more time at home, you know, and I love what we do and I love being on the road, but then it's like, you finally get that. And it's, you know, it's definitely a a shock. It's like, wow, I have all this time and, you know, um, but it's been, it's been nice for sure.
1: It's really interesting. I I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of people go through it now that you mention it, how uh, I feel like a lot of uh, creators and writers are almost not looking for things to write about, but the road and the experience and all the different places and conversations and everything you get from that sort of can spark a lot of avenues for creation. And um, the impetus kind of comes from this external place have you found in the last year that that without that exposure that the songwriting and the lyrics are coming from potentially like a more internal place? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know,
2: you're totally right. It's like when you have, again, the experience of just travel in general right, yeah. and being able sure. to, to see and, and hear um, people from other parts of the world. And, um, you know, once that was gone, it's like now yeah writing from a different perspective and and again, I mean, obviously it goes without saying coronavirus has it's sucked it's sucked for everybody on so many different levels um but you know like like we were talking about, I did get married, so it, it it's <laughs> right. that weird juxtaposition of like sure. you know falling in love and having love and and um embarking on this new sort of chapter of of my life with another person yeah um I sort of have found that that has been inspiring and um you know that the the I guess the idea of of um you know ha- have, like trying to muster up struggle to write about right. it, it doesn't it doesn't really go away because I feel like internally um I think everyone just carries around different levels of of sadness and that's not meant to be like super emo but it's yeah, just sure. You know, I, I think it's uh, yeah. It's just been, and and I guess simultaneously, the the idea of being in love and then uh, you know being stuck in this house with that person
1: all the time,
2: it's <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. Know, There's really yeah. great. I mean, there's a lot of great not to get songwriting, but there's a lot of great material right there. So yeah, that's true. Um, I mean,
1: yeah, not very often, especially a, a touring person like you. Are you just I mean, you're really tossed into the fray there, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you certainly benefit, especially when we started dating, you benefit from, um, she, she was living in San Francisco at the time. So you benefit from like being apart and then coming together again and, and sort of having those, um, those like butterflies. And then mm-hmm. You know, not having those anymore. You, you know, they're still there. It's just you, you know, in in different forms. So, sure. yeah, it's interesting. I, I think I I told myself that I was going to read a lot more books, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, but I didn't. So I, <laughs> I have to I have to find inspiration somewhere else. So. So no cooking, no
1: reading, no, no cooking. F <laughs> it, dude. F it all. Doing over <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no working out, no. Yeah, what's myself. going on? over there? sounds sounds slovenly. No, I'm just just kidding. Wa- just no. watching Hell's Kitchen, and uh, <laughs> 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 I went into the British baking show. That's been my my oh, vibe nice, on this one. Nice. I like it. It's f- my my wife says she's like it's boring. There's not enough conflict. You know, because they're British and they're so nice to each other. But I think that's the reason (laughs) I like it. It makes it straight vanilla television where I really don't feel bad about anything, you know. There you go.
2: Yeah. It could be the Canadian baking show. And then it would be like you couldn't Uh watch it because it was so nice.
1: They wouldn't even it would never Mm -hmm. end because they'd never kick anybody off. Nobody would lose. Just (laughs) be the same 12 people for 10 seasons. You know, you all judge for yourself. That was fun. Thanks for participating. (laughs) It's all delicious. Um, (laughs) So, er, your now wife moved from San Francisco. Do you have a, and you're in Arizona still? Like, what is it, Phoenix area? Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have a, you know, big, obviously big network? Uh, Do you have a pretty strong like family system still going on in Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. Um, The majority of
2: mine are out here. and hers kind of are, are spread out a little bit but mostly in California. So, um I, I definitely got and I actually the neighborhood we bought our house in is like only a couple streets away from the the house that I grew up grew up oh, in. Oh, no shit. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of a trip to kind of be back in this neighborhood and um you know, sort of see it with new eyes. It's like I I can point out to her Which I know she's sick of by now. It's like (laughs) that's that's where, like, me and uh, David found, you know, some porn, and we took it over to the railroad tracks. (laughs) She's like, "Dude, just ease up on the nostalgia a little bit." So
1: yeah, you're you're fucked. Next time you go out to California, like you're going (laughs) on the tour, John. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do that to my wife all the time. I'll be in like some innocuous town. Like oh my god, I did this this is I'm like, yeah, you got to remember, guy. Nobody cares about this. <laughs> yeah, nobody but yeah. you. It's a very <laughs> self-indulgent thing to do. Absolutely. Um so so what's your uh what's your background like? Uh, I mean, I particularly like with music. Um did, you know, did you have uh music in the house? Was there music from your parents and kind of at which point do you see where it really like maybe grabbed your attention and and took your focus. Yeah. I
2: mean, I I think, um, firstly, it was in the house for sure. My dad is like a huge audiophile. He's he's like, loves to sort of be the one to like bust out the most obscure bands (laughs) and like give you facts about them. And so, so I was always, I was always around that and always sort of tried to follow his lead. Um, and I would say, like my real sort of like my personal discovery with like finding music sort of stemmed from my older cousins. Um, they all played guitar, and um, they were a couple of years older, and they were like the cool, you know, the cool, cool cousins. So right, I wanted yeah. to follow follow the footsteps. And um, it wasn't until I think I was twelve when my parents got me a guitar, but I really didn't. It, it really didn't like it was just a guitar at the time, you know, it yeah, wasn't really okay. like, it didn't take over and consume the way that I, I think it does for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and I had sports kind of going the whole time. I played a lot of baseball growing up. So it was like, uh, it was always like sports first. And, um, then high school rolled around. I had friends in bands, um, one band specifically that was in Arizona and I went to all their shows. What were they, they were like called? my best uh they went through a couple different iterations. There was bad motivation <laughs> like, uh, it, like it. like <laughs> Then uh briefly they were uh the countdown. Okay. And then and then they uh landed on kill courtesy for their the last remaining uh months or years they were a band. Okay. Um
1: I think I was stuck on number so, 2.
2: <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> I, uh, I would always go, I would go to like their, their practices and I, they were cool. just like good, good homies, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, that kind of like sparked my love for like live music and, and mm-hmm. being around it and going to see, uh, other bands and I would go, you know, go to concerts with them. Um, and then it wasn't really until, um, I started creating stuff on my own at home, uh via that program fruity loops back in high school oh, wow. and i was just kind of bullshitting and making like silly beats and stuff like that and then when my brain kind of was like hey you're writing songs it, you know to an extent then um i guess it wasn't until college when i um i wanted to try out for the band that i'm in so oh wow it was a yeah it was a long time but um it was kind of like I, I just jumped into the deep end and and we just started making music and being on the road.
1: Tell me a little bit about your baseball career. Brad's not gonna like this.
2: But <laughs> oh, I'm man. just
1: gonna I'm gonna guess. I'm a baseball fan. You got you're very long, you're lean. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking you could have been a good pitcher. I, w- I would rarely pitch. I played a lot okay. of shortstop. Oh, all right.
2: I played short until my senior year, and there was a younger kid that was better at me, so
1: they moved me to third. Oh, that's the oh you oh wow you pulled the uh, Derek Jeter Alex Rodriguez move.
2: Yeah, a little hot corner action. <laughs> so it was. Uh, uh, but to be honest, there was like I don't know. I don't know if y'all played sports growing up, but there was like sort of that. Um, uh, that epiphany moment where I was like, yo, I'm really not as good as the best guy on the team. Like this isn't going, this is, I'm not yeah. going, <laughs> I'm not going past this. So I, I would say junior and senior year when I realized that they had a PA system at the baseball stadium right, uh, that we played in, I I took control of that, even though I was like playing. I okay. actually like set up the PA and I set up, I I let everybody have walk-up songs. <laughs> nice, and nice. my buddy, my good buddy was the announcer. Okay. So it was like, I was more concerned about what I was going to walk out to, what we were going to warm up to than right, right. I think I was the actual game. So what was your,
1: what did you come out to? Oh, dude,
2: I had mixed um, it up. <laughs> There's a hardcore band from Tucson called The Bled. Oh yeah, um, and I I think I had the song was Spit Shine Sonata by The Bled.
1: Wow, that's and, that, that's a pretty that's pretty far reaching for a baseball <laughs> game. That's cool. Yeah. Uh.
2: I had that, and then I had uh, Project Pat. Okay. Uh, a Memphis rapper had a song called chicken head that I walked out to. Too. So <laughs> I was all over the place.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And then, so you went to, you went to college and tried out from there. So the main was already, was it the main yet or was it a. No. So they, uh, Garrett, our bass player
2: and our drummer, Pat um, had been in bands in high school and like my, my good buddies, they had done a bunch of battle of bands against their, some of their old bands. So they were, they were called, uh, the the kerosene kids at one point. Okay. And then they were, uh, the seasons company. Okay. And then, and then there might've been one or two uh, I'm forgetting of, but, um, (laughs) but they they were looking for a singer and I just, uh, I got drunk and basically the whole, like the, the whole triangle works like, Tim, our manager, uh, has been one of my best buds since sixth grade. Oh, cool. So Tim's youngest brother is Patrick, who is in uh, the Maine. He plays drums for the Maine. So that was kind of like the I, – I told Tim, hey, I want to try out for your brother's band. And he just passed it off as I was just drunk at a party. And then the next morning <laughs> I woke up and I went over to Pat's house and I played uh, – I played a song by a band called Ivory on the guitar very poorly uh-huh. and he's like, "Hey man, you're in." I was like, wow. All right, cool. Now what?" So,
1: That's cool. So, I mean, I can I can imagine for a younger person, you know, you're you're playing sports and you're connected into those worlds. What what do you think gave you kind of the you know, the confidence or the you know, the reach to to go after something like that?
2: I mean, I,
1: it's he actually weird because I, I, yeah, <laughs> I was drunk. That was it.
2: <laughs> I can't pinpoint exactly which, uh, alcoholic drink it was. Right. No, I, I, um, there, there were two times, like, uh, when I would go to band practice for, for my buddy's band, I would always inevitably like kind of mess around at the very tail end of mm. the practice. And right, I would right. grab the mic and, and fuck around. I was time. being... Yeah. I would be, I would be goofy with them. We would play Finch and we'd play stuff like that. And, okay. Uh, so, but, but there were, there was a time when somebody was like, Hey, that actually sounds pretty good. And I can exactly remember that day. Mm. And then I remember, uh, another day being in, in the car with a bunch of my buddies and, um, I was huge into, uh, the starting line Okay. when we were in high school and, yeah. I remember singing one of his parts and like, I didn't think I was doing it for real, but I like, you know, somebody was like, Hey man, that sounded pretty cool. I'm like, Oh, cool. So those, and they were so, so insignificant for everybody else. You know, it was like moments in time that nobody that was ever in the car would have ever thought about again. You know, but for me, I think I, I latched onto it and um, it just kind of took, a little nudge to, to actually give it a try. And, and, and that was kind of, it's weird even thinking about, cause I haven't really thought about the actual, those actual moments in such a long time, but those were actually like the little bits that I think gave me just enough confidence. You know, I'm still, even to this day working on being confident and being, you know, um, so, so even in, in like live setting, you know, being more comfortable on stage and, and whatnot. But, yeah, that's interesting because it, it, I haven't thought about, you know, but but when you when you said it, it's like, oh, shit, man, those were the two kind of times. So
1: well, that's cool. Well, that's a, a highlight, too, to anyone's listening. You know, raise your kids to support your friends and be positive. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Cause, Absolutely. Because it could have totally. taken so, like case in point. OK, I, I have a funny, quick turn off from here that made me not a singer. Which was, I was in a band called Full Circle Swing at the time. Always a drummer. I've always been a drummer. But I used to fashion myself as someone who could do some backups, get in there. And I remember (laughs) I got in the studio and the line was sun on my face. And I was supposed to do like a... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to try. But for some reason, (laughs) I just soul man the thing. And I got in this vocal booth and I go like, son of my first. And I like, (laughs) you know, really like blues man for some fucking reason. I'm like 16. I don't know why. And, you know, I like look up and all my like little fucking gangster Jersey friends who I'm in the band are just losing their shit in the (laughs) studio. You know what I mean? dying like deaf comedy jam laughing you know their legs are in the air and I'm just like all right fuck this headphones off and (laughs) and that was it that was it that was pretty much it like I've taken some other stabs later in life but no that was pretty much it so and that's all it took yeah that's That's it that's the
2: thing and that's all it took and yeah
1: Man, I needed more... That could have changed the the course of everything for you. I know. I could have been a blues man. (laughs) I could have owned my own song by now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny, man. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you were so so young, um, you know, and it seems like, you know, your life kind of took hold in the direction of the main and being a touring musician, you know, fairly quickly after that. And, you know, I was wondering, like since you were essentially like a kid and, and, you know, tr- um, going right into being in sort of a well-known band and touring and starting your course, what's that been like for you? Like just as a person, um, and at any point have you felt like you had to like catch up on, uh, some different kind of life or missed any version of life you were, you were curious about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, especially now, um, I'm 32 now. So we started when I was 19. Right. Um, and it was, you know, there, there, you know, I mean, there just inherently are a lot of things that you miss if you're away all the time, yeah. you know, it's, if it's, um, you know, a cousin's wedding or the birth of someone's child or whatever it is, or the, you know, the funeral of, you know, a grandparent or some, you know, whatever. Um, I think especially now it's interesting because I I have found that I love spending um, time with my parents. It's something that I really didn't, not that my parents and I haven't always been close, like we've been close, but I, for a lot of, you know, especially being in high school and then your early twenties, you know, at least for me, I didn't, always want to hang out with them, you know. Right. Yeah. I I I loved them. Sure. But it yeah. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, hey, I wanna go have some beers with my dad. It was like <laughs> right. uh there's my dad, you know. It's like right. <laughs> I don't know. It it yeah, wasn't like let's sense. let's chill. Um and now it's totally uh I I don't wanna say like I'm making up for lost time, but like my parents live really close and um I just love spending time with them. So, That's awesome. um, I don't know, as far as growing up, it's, you know, it's, it's just been part of life. So it's been, you know, I, of course there are things that I probably wish I could have, you know, told myself back then, like maybe, you know, kill some of your ego a little bit more, or, or don't worry so much about all this other, whatever, you know, like, I don't know. There's, there's certainly things that Um, I wish I could have known back then, but Mm. that's part of it all, you know, and and a lot of people sort of cringe when they look back at yearbooks. And I I feel like that's just, you know, it's just part of being alive as being able to, to wear your hair like an idiot and then, (laughs) you know, (laughs) take your lumps and make mistakes. And I feel like, especially now, like, um, not to like veer too far off course, but on the, the drive home, um, my wife and I were just talking about, you know, cancel culture and, and yeah. uh, that whole thing. And, and we were just saying how important it is to be able to make mistakes and mm. to be able to learn from them and to, to grow from them as sure. an individual and, and, and as a, a, a society. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to to be in a band and have that be my job for almost 15 years now and it's Mm. uh but there's plenty of mistakes that i've made as an individual and plenty of mistakes that we've made as a band and we've been so fortunate to kind of you know hopefully better ourselves because of those things and um yeah. I don't even know what the question was. I think, I don't even think I answered it. So. Ah, it's okay. <laughs>
1: All right, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> you say about cancel culture. Cause I mean, the one thing I even heard uh, a statement, you were talking about some, some old lyrics you had when you were younger and, you know, and you're like, yeah, I was, I was 19. They were kind of stupid. You know, what are you going to do? Like, and I think the, a lot of the thing that we're dealing with with cancel culture is, is, is owning up to it, you know, is, um, the people who can take some personal responsibility, eat a little crow, which is not attractive these days for some reason, and, and can actually, you know, open themselves up to be vulnerable and wrong and move forward, you know? And I feel like if, if people are authentically doing that, you know, I think you're forgiven often unless your trespasses are really that serious, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's but, a, it's an interesting time. And,
2: and cause we were, we were sort of, it all spawned from listening to this podcast. We listened to this uh, podcast called criminal and the episode was on somebody that made up a fake uh, rumor about a real estate agent and essentially ruined her career for a minute and oh, wow. basically said that she was cheating on somebody on her husband with another guy, oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so talk. it was like, that's dirty. That's yeah. Dirty. It, yeah, it dirty. was like, and then that of course was like, yeah, I mean the internet's crazy, man. And we are just, you know, we had nothing but time on the drive. So sure. I think you're, I think you're a hundred percent right. It's, I think, um, empathy is, is, is not lacking. It's just, um, it's not sexy, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. it's definitely not sexy anymore. And I think that it's really important, like you're saying to, to be authentic and to try to, I don't know, tr- try to learn, try to be better for sure.
1: Yeah. I think maybe it's just tapping into like the part of every person listening that knows they fucked up too. You know, if you're yeah, able, for sure. if you're <laughs> able to relate it in such a way <laughs> that you see it in your head, you're like, Oh, that could have been me. You know, yeah. like, it could have just easily been me.
2: Yeah, they were, they were talking about the Hall of Fame in baseball. And, right. you know, my dad was like, well, what do you think about steroids and all this? And, like, uh, we inevitably talked about it for a while. But sure. it's, like, interesting to think, like, people passing judgment on other people's character um, are, are just humans themselves. And there was some uh, baseball journalist or something like that that had been accused of... Uh, molesting children when he was, you know, uh, right. when yeah. he was back in the day. De- I don't know if you heard about that, but no. then I think he got um wiped from the like Philadelphia F- Hall of Fame for journalism or something like that. It's course, just really fucking, interesting. Of course,
1: it's <laughs> Philly, no, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you know, it, humans are flawed. I think that's the biggest thing, and it's uh, it's only the mistakes that make you, you know. Uh, who you are. So,
1: yeah, well, you, you just, uh, addressed one of the biggest highlights I think of cancel culture. Again, it's a, it's a sports comparison, but I watched, you know, as a New York Yankees fan, I watched Alex Rodriguez for years and years be one of the best players in baseball and one of the most hated individuals in baseball, essentially because everyone fucking knew he was lying the entire time. It was oh, just, yeah. and you know, on the same exact team, Uh, with someone who also won world series and the same exact program was Andy Pettit who did, Mm -hmm. did steroids, did HGH. And after he got caught, he did a press conference. I was like, you know what? It was a mistake. Sorry, never do it again. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. And no one even knows he did it. That's that's how, you know, he didn't wag his finger at anybody. And it's just this yeah, yeah, we're just highlighting. I guess what we even talked about ten minutes ago. Just own up to your fucking mistakes, you know.
2: Absolutely. Um, Sorry for throwing the wrench in there. We we got we
1: got all off. Oh, John, but... this this program is called <laughs> going off track.
0: There you go. Yeah, I, I
1: want you lying down, shoes off. I hope you have something <laughs> warm to drink. Yeah, everything. Let's let's go on a ride, baby. Um, but I, I was wondering, in the same context of you know you growing up. Uh, I can imagine a lot of your fans started young um, and are now adults dealing with a very different stage of life, just like you are. And I know how important fans are to you and the band. And I I was wondering if you feel the need to create a different type of uh, soundtrack or roadmap or or even, I guess, just the messaging behind your songs. Like, do do you consider that aspect of it these days?
2: it I, I don't know I, I i think i always will subconsciously i think um you know it it's people listening to to our music um that's the only reason we're able to make it so inevitably their their influence will somehow creep in mm-hmm. um but i think that the the neatest part to me um as the person that writes the lyrics and the majority of the songs is just that they've allowed us the freedom to sort of explore all sorts of different sounds. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've done different uh, we've taken different approaches with every single record um, just from a standpoint of not wanting to recreate something we already did. Um, We did a record in Nashville um, to tape, which was like, you know, probably uh too ambitious but okay you know, people people liked it um liked it enough
0: what studio
2: was that at um oh gosh now i'm gonna it, the studio's not there anymore uh we did the record with uh brendan Benson oh, cool. and he was, was nice. he was like kind of it's actually the there was a studio that um i think Jim James from my morning jacket had either owned or was definitely just working out of there um but anyways we we've been there recently and the the whole building got knocked down which is kind of a shame but mm. um i think to 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 the question it's it's been really amazing to have the ability to feel like you can um not necessarily do no wrong but um uh, not like not have the fear of disappointment mm. uh, outweigh like your decision making sure, so it's sure. like Yeah, I I think we've just been really lucky. And what's really a trip um, is that, especially being on the road, like having seen some of the same people for 14 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and and see people having children and people getting married and people, you know, whatever life has thrown their way as Mm -hmm. well. It's been. I I don't think a lot of people understand too, um, just the idea that like uh it's kind of just as crazy for us as it is for them you know to like to to go to these places and to see their faces is is like uh is is comforting as well you know it's like even if there's you know however many new people you like see somebody that that has you know a familiar face that you've seen however many times and it's it just reminds you that you're that you're in that place and you're, I don't know, there's, there's something comforting about it for sure.
1: Now this, this only pops in my head because there's someone in my head about this, but in all the cities, in all the world, (laughs) who is like the fan of yours that stands out the most for whatever reason? It could be someone, you know, don't know, maybe physically looks super cool. Like, is there anyone (laughs) who rocks like, you know, cool outfits. Oh man. I
2: mean, even when you just say it, there's like multiple faces. Right. Um, that come to mind. It's like, I don't know. That's a really good question. Cause it's, um, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, they're a handful. And some of them are like, um, you can kind of count on saying Like having a a similar story every time you see them, Uh, Um, whether it's like, uh, you know, however they got there and how long it took them to, (laughs) you know, get there and whatever it is. It's like, it's, yeah, there's not like, there isn't like one specific. It's definitely like a, uh, it's it's spread out for sure.
1: We had like a sadomasochistic couple. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, they used to show up. I forget what city in Germany, but it was a city in Germany. Of they'd course. O- of course <laughs> they would always they'd always chill like right in front, you know, like right on the rail. Uh, uh-huh. A man and a woman, obviously a couple, both with shaved heads. And through the course of the show, we can only imagine because we actually they never like hung out or talked. Like we've only seen these people, so I never actually <laughs> met them. But I can only imagine the man was following very specific orders through the show because at a random point of the show, he would just reach over and like rub a nipple or like, you know, do something else. <laughs> or I think he was like being instructed and they would always stand right in front of the bass player. So it became like a joke. They were really there for him, you know, um, <laughs> They're very cool. Like, they were really supportive fans and knew the words, but they were just up to this, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: We definitely don't have any uh, anything like that. Uh, you're it's, only you're only
1: 32, John, you know? That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got, <laughs> your, your fans are just getting into their 30s. You got to give them another five, <laughs> ten years for sadomasochism, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so... I mean, one of the cool things about the main is, you know, you, you've been a band a long time and you haven't had a member change since 2008. Is that correct? Yeah, so it would have been,
2: I mean, within the first three months of the band. Yeah, yeah. So there were two two guitar players and once we decided that we wanted to go on tour, they bailed. And then that's when we got the lineup that's, that's uh, still together today.
1: So, I mean, from the outside, it, it seems like a pretty pretty steady and friendly ship. And uh, I was wondering, you know, not a lot of bands can make it that long and not a lot of bands can make it with the same people. So w- what have you learned over the years on on how to maintain that and, and ways to communicate with each other and um, ways to interact with each other that have been useful for you in keeping this all together?
2: I mean, fortunately... Um... Like I said, I've known our manager since sixth grade. Um, the the very first time I knew he was my friend, I was standing uh, in PE class uh, at the urinal peeing, and he kicked kicked my butt. So I peed all over my shirt, <laughs> and I had to I had to, <laughs> I had to have the pee shirt the whole class. Uh, but to have him and his brother,
1: exactly, yeah
2: to have to have them um sort of on our team is that they've kind of been the the two of them their minds especially when it comes to just um all things um like not business but just all things minus music to our band if that makes sense mm-hmm. they they're sort of they're 24/7 that um and i i think the big thing for our band um, specifically is just that we like being around one another. Mm-hmm. Like we enjoy, we enjoy a lot of the same things. Um, we laugh at a lot of this, like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to not have been around them for a minute. We still have the group text going and stuff. And so we're sending like ridiculous shit back and forth all the time, but yeah. it's uh, yeah, it, it, we, we genuinely like being around one another. So um and we've kind of been so lucky to have crew on tour that we really enjoy being around as well. Um, Mm. a lot of the people that we bring out are from Arizona and it's just, uh, it's never felt like a job. Like it, it really honestly hasn't. It's just felt like, you know, just, uh, we're so lucky to be doing it and it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, there is no secret, you know, it's like, yeah, because we're still figuring it out. Sure, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. our our guitar player just moved to California to Los Angeles, so it's like we're we're entering that new how to navigate that whole situation, mm. and it's uh it's definitely it'll definitely be a a learning curve. But uh, yeah, I think just enjoying each other's company is is the biggest factor.
1: Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's great when when it comes to decision making. Is there is there kind of like a final say person, or is this like a truly democratic band as far as that goes?
2: I'd like to think it's pretty democratic. Cool. Um, and I think we're, I think a lot of us are on the same page when it comes to a lot of things. So it makes a lot of this stuff easy or easier, um, you know, whatever it is, set lists or music videos or, you know, first single releases or whatever it is. Um, I think we all, we're all sort of on the same wavelength. So, but it's definitely a, if, if majority vote doesn't fly, then it's probably not going to happen. That's cool.
1: All right. So say it's two weeks from now. Okay. We're in the beginning of March and you look up and live once is starting to look like a hit single. It's everywhere. (laughs) Kids love it. You're going to be a star. You're going to be a star kid. There's droves of people, money, the whole deal. What do you do? Like, what's the ideal version of this for you? Like, like, or what's the first thing you do with, with unfettered fame? To be honest,
2: that, that, that ship has sailed. I feel like <laughs> I, I, I've lo- I've lost enough hair now. Where I'm like, I'm not going to be the poster boy for anything. <laughs> so oh. unless it's like keeps dot com, which I keep getting ads for on my phone.
1: What's that? Um, one?
2: Is that? It's something about your erection and your hair
1: simultaneously. You're falling into that demo now. Huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean to be honest, it's. Um, the, the the big thing to me at this point is just the ability to put out music and have some semblance of, um, an audience like people that are listening. And I think that as long as I can just keep doing that and it's still fun and I enjoy doing it, then I won't have to go be a, um, I don't know, go be something else. So I, I'm not sure. I think, i I got so like when when our band um on our second record signed to Warner Brothers, it was like you have this idea, probably from movies and uh and and just t v mm-hmm. to where like oh you're 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 gonna be famous, you know <laughs> right. what's that yeah. gonna be like? It's right, like right. well to be honest, everything that I've read, heard seen about fame sounds fucking pretty awful, yeah. you know. Sure. so um yeah i don't know i i, I think a- after being promised like so many things and like you know by adults that are like <laughs> yeah you know you're right. gonna be you're gonna be famous and rich and yeah, yeah. this you're gonna be you know whatever I, I i'm just so again humbled by the fact that i'm still able to do it and if uh if I if lived once or any of my solo stuff got huge, then um, I would just buy a bunch of Bitcoin or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: the plan. <laughs> well, you can be bald. I mean, I'd like to at least, I mean, there's Moby, uh, you know. Oh, for sure. Bon Scott uh, from ACDC. Um, Howie Mandel. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I heard the guy from the Scorpions never took his hat off because cause there was nothing under there. And, you know, he wrote Rocky Like a Hurricane. So I think... Yeah, so <laughs> there could be a lane. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's a funny little... Oh, I'm sorry, Brad. I was going to just ask about that record because um,
0: the the John the Ghost, that's the second John the Ghost record. Is that right? So
2: it, it's... Uh, I put out like five songs in 2016. So okay. this one is, I guess, technically the first record record Um, was it all the second batch of songs
0: was it all made during COVID or was it kind of in the works yeah so I had
2: uh when I was writing on tour for the first time like I was saying that was like I was intending for everything to be written for the new main record and I I kind of wrote so much that um I got two records out of it so Um, once we did the main record, which is done and it'll be coming out this year as well. Um, I went back with a buddy, Matt, uh, Keller, a producer here in Arizona. And we just kind of grinded it out. The, the nine songs that you hear.
0: And was it like, cause you talked about setting up a little home studio. Was a lot of it, did you create a lot of it all by yourself or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when we went and sort of, uh, disassembled the the songs and and tore them apart it was like you know i i only had i have a very limited knowledge when it comes to guitar playing so it was like everything you hear is like it's kind of caveman in the sense that like there's it's not like wailing solos and like featured guitar (laughs) um so yeah i definitely just i tried to skate by as much as i could
0: it's cool. I, I like. It's a cool vibe. I just was wondering because it does. It feels a little sort of more. Um, I don't know. Just maybe personal than some of the other stuff and like the main stuff. I don't know. I I just was curious if it was like one of those sort of shelter in place and like just bust out your your uh your own songs kind of vibe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a different. Um, it's definitely a different vibe doing things when you know that like you're the kind of like you're the only um, decider of what is is being put out, you know? Um, I don't really, you know, I'm not having the other guys to be like, yeah, that's not really that cool. You know, it was just, I think that's what makes it more fun as far as um, the song choices and the song arrangements and all that. It, It was just, More so about just getting ideas out and done as opposed to like bashing your head against the wall for weeks on end and like uh, uh, obsessing with certain parts. It was just like, I think we spent a day on every song. So
0: that could be a really good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I kind of, it's fresh. I think it comes, ends up being kind of fresher that way often. I think so too. Maybe that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hopefully, I'll be able to apply it and and just make more music. You know, I think that that's. Uh, I, I don't know. People are saying a lot of different things about touring, and it's, yeah. uh, who knows? So
1: no. Oh, well, speaking of not touring, that I I've been pretty obsessively listening to that song, Drive. Um, that one's really really got me hooked, and it's a It's, right on. it's a great song, and there's a lyric. You know, usually I'm asking people what's their craziest thing on tour? What's the wildest thing you did? But there's a line in that song where you talked about, you know, looking at the Midwest sky, looking at Jackson and the dead of the night. And it kind of made me think of like those really, you know, special moments on tour when you realize like this isn't just music. This is sort of like, you know, ex- existential adventure. And you see something that, that really blows you away. Is there anything that stands out as the most beautiful thing you've ever seen on tour?
2: Oh, my God. Um, I don't even know. That's a great question. That's, like, uh, the the first thing that came to mind when you said, like, being in, uh, you know, being on the road late at night is, we'll sometimes um, on tour, we'll have just, like, long long drive so like nobody's getting crazy everybody's getting wine drunk and it's like yeah yeah uh the lights are all down and somebody puts on uh some some moody song and we stare out the windows for a while um it's
1: the best the fishbowl it is
2: the best yeah yeah dude it's uh i don't know there's been there have been so many moments we saw like we saw stonehenge um from like a distance on the road in in a little van, um, on a drive that like the sun was kind of coming up, so like we caught sunrise and it was like uh, that's awesome. really majestic and yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's a really. Uh, what about you?
1: Uh well, there's a bunch. I mean, you know, I have sort of the innocuous one, which is when you do an overnight drive. At any point, there's something about like four thirty to five in the morning. You know, especially if where you are is flat with just the sun just starting to creep over and you get to watch the colors like, you know, fill in the Mm -hmm. day like that. That's really stunning. I think the one that stands out for me the most is I wound up. It was it was. it's a long story and not one I'm willing to share anymore. But (laughs) uh, I wound up an old band called The Killing Gift. I was we were in Niagara Falls and we decided to this is when you could this is. I mean to age myself this is still pre uh 911 where you could just like you used it you didn't even need a passport to go over the bridge back in the day you needed just like an american okay. id you know um Yeah yeah and that night uh you know we went into the canadian side we were partying and i wound up alone uh and started walking back and i literally wound up like in the middle of the bridge one foot in Canada, one foot in America, watching like the sunrise go over Niagara Falls. And I was young still. I was maybe 19 or 20. And and I do see it as one of those, like, like I think I'd already known that this was what I had wanted to do. But that was one of those things where it's like, all right, like I'm probably a lifer, you know? Like,
2: that's incredible. I basically, yeah. I
1: want to spend all the rest of my time trying to find this moment again, you know?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Um, but uh, so, last uh, episode, we had uh, Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms on. Wonderful guy, wonderful interview. But we spent a good portion of the interview knocking the Warp Tour. Because he happened to have a very negative experience on it, and went toe to toe with Kevin Lyman. It was a whole deal, but the oh, main God. and you guys, you know it was a very good tour for your band, and a big part of uh maybe not what made your success, but it was like a vehicle for your success at a certain at a certain time. What, what's your thoughts on the warp tour and and Kevin, and do you have any really memorable moments from it? I mean, uh, just from
2: a, if we're strictly speaking on like just what the tour could do for a band that took advantage of the tour in the sense of like trying to hustle. And, um, it's, it was one of like the, the most opportune places to try to reach a wider audience if there ever was, you know, especially for bands like, like our band, um, and we had heard a story about a band called Medi Parade that had sold. That they, they they weren't on the tour, but they followed the tour. And like one of their big stories is the fact that they sold over ten thousand records on Warp Tour, but not being on the tour. Wow! So they just hustled and they followed the tour in a van and trailer. And that's crazy. Just talked to as many people as they could, so and they wound up being like, a
1: very very successful band.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and it was really uh. I don't know. It, it was like, at, you know, it was in our scene. It was a notch on the belt if you could get on the tour. And then um, it was it, it was in our eyes that like then whatever you did um, was up to you after that. It was like once you're there, you can kind of take the opportunity at however you want. So some bands would just kind of... Uh, you know, play and then go away. And that, that would be kind of it. That, Your yeah. that day was like 30 minutes set. And that was it. Sure. Our band, we tried to make the most of it. And it's really funny. Cause um, for, for a long time, and not for a long time, but we, there was like a negative connotation that was associated with it. Like, Oh, they're a warp tour band. Right. You know, like a lot of people would be like, Oh, the main's a warp tour band. And uh, we, we were like, I, I didn't, I was, it was a confused feeling at first. Cause it was like, well, does that mean that you're just writing us off? Like you sound like all these other bands
0: mm.
2: and it was, I, I, I understood it more in the sense that like, yeah, we just did, a, we did warp Tour a bunch. You know what right, I mean? like right, right. That was like, that, that was where it was at least that's how I, I interpreted it. But I think for our band, it was just, a really great place to try to f- just try to reach uh people that we couldn't you know and that was like when, when our band started we, we we didn't go on tour because a couple of the guys were still in high school so oh, wow. the way that we reached people was online right. and we tried to talk to as many people as we could on myspace and that's what we did for hours every day um and i i equated a lot to that beginning part of our band and you know we inevitably um did the did the tour I think probably seven times or something like wow. that and by by the end we got to play on main stage but we still took advantage of the days and you know we we did two hour meet and greets and crap like that where it's just like you know you could sort of rest on the idea that you've done it so many times and that you are deserved like, you deserve something or you're sure. owed something. But I think for us, it was just really important to to always take it as an opportunity and not to take it as, like, a...
0: Not take it for granted.
2: Exactly. Not take it for granted. Absolutely.
1: it's smart. You, you sound like you're much more well-adjusted than most of the punk rock people I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so... so, But back in the day, say, like, the first time you were on it, um, yeah. you know, you played your show... What's an example of the the extra things you, you would do to to make use of your time? Um, we would wake up, I mean, even, even
2: at the tail end, like even on our seventh or eighth time, we would wake up early, early, probably at like seven or eight. And um, a couple of the guys would go walk the line with signs telling people what time we played, um, sell CDs if we had them. And I would go straight to the merch table and try to, you know, say hi to people in the morning, try to sell t-shirts and um, then lunch. And then, you know, sometimes your sets at 12, you know, and then, you know, it's just a random day. So we would have a meet and greet at some point in the day. And, um, and then I guess at night we would finally kind of wind down and, then we'd start it all over again. It was just Groundhog's Day. Yeah, yeah. But.
1: That's awesome, man. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I know there's so many... Even after we posted the episode last week, there's a couple people who wrote in being like, you know, it was a great episode, but the warp Tour stuff was a little tough to listen to. And I actually almost felt bad about it because I'm like, you know, uh, it met, it really did mean so much to so many people. And it was this consistent thing that would show up every summer. And even though, you know, maybe back behind it, there was some politics and business stuff to it that maybe some well-established people at the time had a lot of problems with as anything. I mean, it presented a place for people to go and a place to hear music and a place to feel like you have some community. And, you know, I guess there's fucking worse things than that, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always think about I, at least I try to think about things, especially having been in a band for so long. I try to think about things in terms of how I would have felt back in the day, you know, <laughs> right, right. Pr- prior, prior to being in the band and prior sure. to being jaded and, you know, whatever. I <laughs> right. think I remember going to work Tour we in like 2003 and seeing like the used and taking back Sunday and, uh, matchbook romance and like these bands that like, at the time when you're, you know, when you're a freshman or sophomore in high school, like that's, that was your musical world, you know? And so you're seeing all this happen on the same day with 30 other, you know, 30,000 other people. It was, I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, to say, to say it wasn't fun would be me lying on a major scale, so <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's kind of it's a silly story, but I always think about it. It's, I went to see Matchbook Romance, and and they were they were a, a favorite of mine in like, I don't know, freshman year of high school, and I went to see them at a show in downtown Phoenix. Yeah, and they probably played for like fifty people, and I think I've told this story.
1: Do you remember the before, venue? But-
2: Uh, Yeah, it was called Modified Arts.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah,
2: so um, I'm there, and the bass player of the band, I was wearing this, like, Globe Skateboards hat. (laughs) Nice. And I was, yeah, I think I was a freshman in high school. And the bass player of Metric Romance is like, hey, man, I like your hat. And I swear to God, I didn't take the hat off for... (laughs) <laughs> months after that. Right. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. like sure. at the time like that was the shit, you know what I mean? And it's like I don't know. It's it's I'd like to remember those things sometimes where it's like I don't know. 12 second interactions with people are are very very important, yeah. you know, and and that can stick with people. So
1: Yeah, 100%. I don't
2: know. Yeah,
1: that's good. I'm glad. It, well, I'm glad it was a positive experience for you all, for sure. <laughs> all right, I, I one, I'm uh, sorry to veer a little, but it's something that again, I I heard a quote you said, and uh, it was something that kind of struck a chord with me, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. You 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 had wrote. Uh, you were said singing about all these things that I wanted. And I think live once is all about the idea that I obtain those things and why I'm not as thankful as I should be. Um, and, and I felt like, I don't know if it was what you were trying to say, but I went through a similar thing where, you know, I had set this expectation for music and my life and essentially every problem would have been solved once I got to where I wanted to be. And then once I physically tangibly had it all I was still kind of felt the same and left wanting more a little bit you know Sure um I was wondering you know it seems like you had a similar experience and I was I was wondering uh you know how that happened and and how you kind of reconciled it like you know moving forward
2: Yeah I mean I I think um it, it's just I I sang for years about you know wanting to find love and equating that to happiness and um it took me a while to realize that i you know being happy on your own is very very important you know and yeah it probably wasn't until i was happy on my own until you know that that's when i found the person that i wanted to spend my life with mm. on, kind of on accident you know and and i don't think it was really on accident i think it had to be you know the right time and I, um Yeah. It's just interesting. It's like, I don't think that, I think it's really important that you're never, um, complacent, you know, but it's okay to be content. If that makes sense. Uh, I think it's really, it's, it's really, it's okay to be appreciative and to be excited about what you have. And it doesn't mean that if you want more, that that's a negative thing. Mm. It just means that, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it's just, I, I have so, so much and it's not a, a, not a materialistic way. It's just, I'm healthy. I have a loving life. I have, you know, great family. I have wonderful friends. It's like, yeah, I I think it just took, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting being able to sing about it, you know? And then having those songs stick around, it's like, oh shit, that's what I was thinking about, you know, like,
1: <laughs> right, right. you know, wow. Okay. Um, kind of like your, di- think- your diary is just out there.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's really, yeah, I, I, I think it, it took, maybe it took singing about it to realize like, yo, you're a dumbass. Like you have this stuff, <laughs> you know? It's like, right So,
1: yeah. That's good. And you seem to be in a pretty comfortable place now. I'm happy to hear it. Well, John, that's, uh, took a lot of your time, man. I appreciate you coming on with us. And I've been, uh, asking everybody towards the end, you know, since we're all at home and, you know, stuck and depressed, is there anything, well, not necessarily depressed. You sound very peachy. Uh, is there anything, uh, as far as like, uh, maybe a film or a book or a podcast? I know you also said you, you're uh, very active interest in poetry, is there anything you could uh recommend the people to help them get through their days?
2: Oh man I just started um neil young's uh book oh cool and i it's interesting reading now because I think he wrote it in two thousand eleven mm-hmm. so um and it's very like it is it has a feel of a diary to be honest it's like sort of him like sitting down at his uh typewriter or his computer or whatever and just kind of like talking through the day um so i've been reading that um i actually just started listening and this is i i I really was late to the train but i started listening to that um casey musgraves album Mm -hmm. um what is it called oh shit where is it maybe golden hour is that the name of one of hers it sounds familiar yeah well, I'll just go with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been listening to that, and it's—I don't know. That, um, Yeah, Golden Hour. I just looked it up. But it's been—it's been on heavy repeat, and that one, I don't know. The things that she sings about and the way that she sings them is, uh, definitely resonated with me. Um, but I have been watching Hell's Kitchen.
1: That's been cool. Oh, that was real. <laughs> that was real. Oh, that was real. That was real.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. It's been, yeah. That's like the the that's like the wind down have yeah. a beer and and kind of zone out portion of the day. We but, we all need it. Um, we all need it. But absolutely. It's what
1: my mom called uh, bubble gum for the brain. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Neil Young is a great one to listen to. I, he's uh, gave me, well, not personally, cause I don't know the man, but the advice <laughs> he always gave about careers, you know, where basically explains it as a wave, you know, and, and a wave that totally. you need to basically ignore while you're on it. And there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but as long as you mm-hmm. keep your eyes in the right place, so it'll, uh, you'll wind up washing to shore. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, John, thanks a lot again for taking the time. I I really like the new record and I really appreciate you uh coming on with us. It was nice to get to know you a little. No,
2: yeah. Thank thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome.
1: Have a good evening in the desert.
2: Hey, thanks guys. Take care.
1: Yeah, baby. Not bad.
0: How many uh guests Have been from Phoenix or Philly in the last, like, three months.
1: It's been very high ratio. Been pretty heavy. A little heavy. Next week, I'm not going to say who the guest is, but they're from New Jersey. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. But they don't live there. (laughs) They moved somewhere better. Now they live in California. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's not Jeff Rosen. How many people
0: from New Jersey move to California? That's probably,
1: I bet more people from New Jersey,
0: well, more people I bet make it in California from New Jersey than any other state. I would bet money on that.
1: I think the percentage is high, but I'd also beg the question how many come back. And that percentage is also high. So I think uh, there's something about New Jersey that lures you back in. I know wherever you're from, like Colonial Cape Cod or something, you guys really, you know, look down on what we do down here, uh, you know, in the melting pot. You just wanted uh Well,
0: we didn't call it colonial at the time. It just was colonial.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing down there? See, right now, I imagine under this desk, you're wearing those little, like, pastel pink vineyard vine shorts. Yes. Open-toed definitely. shoes. Yeah. Or yachting uh-huh. shoes. and. And I have a woven cotton braided anklet. Yeah, and a <laughs> and a smoking pipe that says Nantucket on it. Well, that was a fun interview with John. Very illuminating. Yeah.
0: Seriously, though, um, the main—you probably know—they're they're a great band. But like, I really like his new stuff. I like his solo stuff that he's doing. Um, and you want to catch up with him? You can catch him at the Fifth John on Instagram. The main band on Instagram, the main on Twitter and Facebook. Of course, we are going off track mm-hmm. everywhere. And, um, you know, go check out that Patreon if you're into it. Yeah. If you want to become part of the gang. Uh, leave us a good review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Benny would prefer that if they were a little um, blue.
1: <laughs> well, listen.
0: If they were sexy.
1: Sexually explicit, <laughs> if possible. Again, I know hot oils uh, always come up in my thinking, but especially right now, because I couldn't help. I saw some sexy photos of John when I was doing research for this, and I was like, <laughs> what if we just poured a little, if we had him in studio, I would have asked to pour a little hot wax on his You would not.
0: Say- I would have. I would have asked. The Fucking Howard Stern I over I promise
1: here. you, I would have <laughs> asked. I he could have said no, but yeah, I would have yeah. asked. It's no shame in this game, baby. Well,
0: Benny, there be, there will come a day when all of this will pass, and we will be in the studio together breathing each other's dirty, air molecules. Dirty, dirty air <laughs> molecules. And pouring hot wax on our guest's chest.
1: Listen, it's the 90s, man. I'm trying to get into it, you know? All right. Well, everyone, thanks for coming and tuning in. Next week's going to be great. We'll see you there. It's another week going off track.